Hello, and welcome to At the Forefront FinTech Conversations. I'm Michael Kingsley. I'm a Senior Vice President here at Forefront. Joining me today is Michael Milani, who is the CEO of Mondium Capital. How are you, Michael? Doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me. Great. Thanks a lot for joining us. Um, I want to jump right in. And you actually, before founding Mondium, you have quite a history in the industry. So can you sort of take us through how you got to where you are and then tell us a little bit about Mondium? Yeah. Um, so right out of school, um, I graduated in 98 from Villanova. Uh, I knew I wanted to be in the markets. I knew I wanted to be um, uh, in, in, on Wall Street and, and you know, dealing with, uh, with stocks and, and everything else. Um, so basically what I did was I, uh, I was a wealth manager right out of school. Uh, again, a lot of smiling and dialing, a lot of getting up at four o'clock in the morning to cold call uh, technology companies in Europe and things like that. Um, uh, after the crash in 2001, I decided that I needed a little bit of a change. So I became a day trader. Uh, I day traded from 2003, probably till 2010 or so. Um, I was working with... Uh, a couple of different groups, again, managing groups, running trading groups, teaching trading styles, things like that. And I really think that's what gave me sort of my foundation in terms of knowing what active traders need, knowing what their needs and concerns are, because I was an active trader for many years myself. Um, yeah, we founded Mondium Capital in 2020, uh, specifically for the active trading community. And I will talk a little bit later, I'm sure, about the difference between um, uh, investors and traders and, and the clear differences between the two. But uh, since then, like I said, we've been, uh, it's been a difficult market for the trading community, as, as I'm sure you realize, not uh, um, 2001 was sort of the, the, the Christmas for all of us and everything was sort of flying around. Things have tightened up a little bit and it's been challenging, but we're, uh, we're doing well. I, I think discussing that difference between active traders and investors is a good way to get into why you found, found excuse me, why you founded Mondium and what makes it different. So why don't you give us that definition, give us some terms we're going to be using here today, and then tell us why you founded Mondium and what makes it different. Uh, sure. So so again, when wherever we're talking about uh, the, the markets in general, um, you have two different, very distinct, different customer bases. You have the investors of which most people are, whether it's in their 401ks or IRAs or just randomly buying stocks or, or mutual funds or whatnot. And then you have the active trading community, which are really more technical in nature than fundamental in nature. They're more short term in nature, more cash flow oriented, looking for more day to day movements in the market, week to week movements in the market versus I'm going to buy Tesla and put my children through college with it type of thing. So whenever you're talking about the active trading community versus the investing community, the, the, the needs are different. The technology needs to be different. So that's to be a real differentiation between the two. We at Mondium really cater to the active trading community more than the investing community. And so, so how does Mondium cater specific? What, what makes it a different broker dealer than something somebody else might use that specifically caters to that, to that audience? Sure. Well, I think it starts with technology, right? So one of the things we've done is we built our infrastructure here around low latency technology, um, uh, technology that allows traders, to, again, most importantly, to have direct access to the markets, um, whether it be from routing and, um, and, and things like that. Um, our, our software is professional grade. We use Sterling Trader Pro and DOS Trader Pro, uh, which are, are two uh, third-party vendors that we utilize that are really catered towards professional traders and active traders. Um, but it really comes down to the infrastructure technology-wise where we want to cater towards traders that need fast executions, um, direct access, and uh, uh, low latency. 
Got it. So when people first engage with your platform, what's what kind of feedback do they give you versus what they'd used before? Well, again, depending on what they're using before. Remember, Mondium only caters to experienced traders, right? So a lot of those traders were using other professional grade platforms, or again, they were using mobile applications. A lot of these zero commission brokers have really fancy uh, mobile applications that a lot of the traders sort of learned on, and now they've sort of graduated towards professional grade trading applications. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, we we haven't had any complaints so far. Uh, a lot of them have used those platforms before, but again, our community is constantly coming back to us with mm. feedback to say, well, I've used this platform someplace else before, or this broker offers this, and we're constantly trying to tailor our offerings specifically to the trading community that we're servicing. It's very, very, very good. The customization, I think, is is something that sets you guys apart from, from what I know about you guys working with you. Um, I you set everything up by how things have changed since you first got in the industry in 2001. And obviously they just changed in the past two or three years as well. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about meme stocks. You mentioned Tesla, for example, but we're not necessarily talking about any one stock here. Um, how have meme stocks become part of the, the trading culture and also in the, in the media coverage of retail and active traders? I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that um, and how, you know, how meme stocks have impacted the markets and impacted people's view of the markets, if that makes sense. Well, I, I mean, I, a lot of brokers use the word gamification of the markets. And I think that uh, GameStop and AMC really didn't do a lot to, to quell people's uh, thoughts around that, that the market's just a, a big casino mm -hmm. that people are playing in. Uh, and that's not the case. Um, Again, I think there's a big fear of missing out for a lot of traders, a lot of FOMO out there for traders that say, well, why didn't I get involved in GameStop? I mean, remember, the S&P 500 is up on average, let's say, 10 to 12% a year, and GameStop went from $4 to $400. So people are out there saying, well, why didn't I catch that move? Or how do I find the next meme stock? TOP was one, I think, that we talked to the Wall Street Journal about a couple of weeks ago, um, talking about another stock that was kind of flying around there that was active and, and went from whatever it went to and had some crazy return in one day. Um, I kind of tell my traders to steer away from those names. I mean, yeah, you can make a ton of money in a very short period of time. You can also lose a ton of money in a very short period of time. Uh, yeah, if you're, if you're in those names very, very early and you're sort of catching them on the launching pad, they're great. But a lot of times what happens is, is that um, those traders that are watching those names tend to see the stock up, let's say, 100% in the last hour or something, or 50% in the last hour, and they tend to be on the other side of them, shorting them to say, well, I'm, I'm assuming the stock's going to kind of come back towards reality at some point and, you know, come back to, to the stratosphere. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, I mean, they're, they're very dangerous. They're very risky. Yes, they can be very profitable if you catch them on the right side, but I, I tell a lot of my traders to stay away from those. Um, there, there's a lot more consistent ways, mm -hmm. consistent strategies that you can use to make money in the markets versus trying to catch some stock that's some parabolic move that you're probably not going to get. And chances are by the time it hits CNBC, the news already happened. And um, the worst ones are the guys that trade those stocks the day after the stock has the crazy move. Uh -huh. um, and there's a lot of risk involved in that. So we want consistency more than we want to be singles and doubles hitters more than home run hitters more. more or less. I, I, I got you. And I, and I think the risk combined with some of the other things you've been talking about is what leads to this media perception and the focus on retail traders as being all about meme stocks. And that's that's not what you hear from your from your clients, is it? No. 
I mean, remember, you, you do have those traders that'll see something on CNBC or they'll watch Bloomberg or Fox Business or whatever, and they'll say, wow, I want to trade because I've seen this. That's not really who we're catering to. The catering, mm -hmm. the traders that we're catering to are traders that have been around, they're seasoned, they understand market structure, they are consistent in their, their trading over the years. Um, um, uh, one of the, the, the conferences I spoke about recently, someone asked me, what's the big problem facing active trading broker dealers? And for me, it's really turnover. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, you bring in a trader, you, you, you onboard them, AML, KYC, all these different things. They wire funds in and then three weeks later, they, they blow themselves up and you're, you're, you're looking for another customer. Um, so we really want to cater more towards traders that are consistent, that are running consistent strategies um, versus fly-by-night traders that just want to get into whatever is the stock du jour that's moving that day. Um, so like I said, is there a place for meme stocks in the market? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All the active mm -hmm. traders that I know were trading those names on those days. That's not a, a trading strategy. That's just sort of whatever's flying around that day. Like I said, TOP was another one a couple of weeks ago that, mm -hmm. uh, that, that flew around in the same way. But uh, we want to stay away from those and really work on more consistent strategies moving forward. So I, I, it's funny, you, you threw out a couple of acronyms. I think our audience will know the uh, AML, Anti-Money Laundering, and KYC, Know, know Your Client. Um, so I, I, I just want to throw in a question about, because you guys are kind of the new kid on the block, how you handle questions you might get about Mondium being around for the long haul, and also how you interact with regulators and how your clients interact with regulators. Well, clients don't interact with regulators much. We we do a lot of interaction with regulators on a on a, on, on a regular basis. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, Mondium, um, we've we've got an infrastructure here, um, uh, compliance team. Again, my, my chief compliance officer, you know Preston pretty well from dealing I with do. him. He's an interesting <laughs> character. Um, he worked yeah. at Finra for a long time, so he kind of keeps us honest with with a lot of yeah. things that we do. Not that we weren't otherwise, but you know, dealing with the regulators is a is a is a complicated thing. You want to make sure that you're checking off all the boxes and you are going to be here for the long term and a lot of that has to do with having a positive relationship specifically with finra and the sec and things like that um but yeah no we uh we have a full uh cyber package and aml policies and and written supervisory procedures and things like that that we put forth to make sure that a we are doing things in a compliant manner b our customers are protected and the regulators look at us in a favorable way, which they do. We haven't had any issues so far. And uh, we run our, our firm with a, with a very high culture of compliance, as I'm, as I'm sure you know, Preston. Um, so it's uh, he's a buttoned up guy for sure. And I've, I've enjoyed talking to him uh, in, in conjunction with you. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, the dynamic between you and him is, is definitely he's, fun. He's brilliant. See how he's it works. a brilliant guy. Yeah. He knows a lot about the markets. He knows a lot about compliance. So I defer to him a lot of times to say, listen, talk yeah. to Preston about this. And, uh, you know, again, your compliance department is extremely important in an environment like this to yep. make sure that, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be around for the long haul because a lot of firms that don't act in a compliant way aren't. So we, uh, I've been doing this 25 yep. years and I plan on hopefully doing it another 25. So we'll see. Now, you mentioned uh, a conference before. I don't know if that was the the Baron Bull Traders in uh, San Diego, but I know you were there recently and and spoke a little bit about, back to your technology mention at the beginning, um, about how your next generation technology is helping traders on both equity, general, you know, underlying equity uh, as a component of ETF uh, strategies as well. So can you talk just a little bit about, you know, Fundamental equities versus ETF strategies and, and what you're telling clients there? 
Well, yeah. I mean, so again, it, it really depends on what the traders are, are, what kind of strategy they're looking to do. The ETFs are sort of just bundled up um, uh, sort of funds of, of various equities that, that guys are trading. So a lot of times um, traders will use ETFs as sort of a diversified strategy versus trading an individual equity, or they'll use them as hedges. If they're trading baskets of biotechs or baskets of B2B e-commerce stocks or whatever it is, they'll use ETFs as sort of a hedge and they may get long five names and then short the ETF or long a basket of names and short the spiders. Um, that's again, trader by trader. We don't advocate for one specific trading style. Again, our traders are all self-directed. So that's really on them as to how they see the markets and, and how they want to attack things. Um, the Bearable Conference was a great one. I, I love those guys. I'm speaking at the Bearable Conference again at the end of this month in New York. Uh, Andrew Aziz, his brother Artie, Mike Bear. I mean, all those guys are, are fantastic. They've done a great job. Um, the, the message that I was really putting forth to them at that conference, and I, I can see CJ smiling at me as I say this, um, I have a tendency <laughs> to talk in movie quotes a lot of times. So um, Al Pacino in, uh, in the movie Any Given Sunday has a very famous speech he gives at the end where he talks about fighting for that extra inch and mm -hmm. football's a game of inches and, and everything else. So my message to the bearable community and just the community in general is um, your brokerage firm is judging you on what, how much money you're making for them, that the commission dollars you're generating and um, the routing commissions or, or however it's being calculated depending on the firm that you're with. So you really have to be cognizant of very small amounts of money lots and lots of times, right? So we, commissions are generated in tenths of pennies or hundreds of pennies, which are mills, things like that. Um, so you really wanna do a really good job of reconciling with your brokerage firm, what you're being charged, how you're being charged, where you're routing your orders, mm -hmm. what you're being charged on things like stock locates and stock loan and things like that to make sure, not that your brokerage firm's not being honest, but they're, they're, some of these are transacting billions of shares a day. Um, so you want to make sure that you know what you're getting charged. Um, your SEC fees, are they accurate? Your, your TAF and SEC, are they accurate? Um, can you reconcile those? Again, do you reconcile them every day? No, you spot check them here and there to make sure um, what are you charge on stock loan and stock locate fees. Um, so again, those are kinds of things where traders are usually looking at, you know, oh, I made a dollar in this stock or 50 cents mm -hmm. in this stock. Your brokerage firm is looking at this and saying, how many tenths and mills are we making per transaction? So as a, as a trader, you really need to look at it that way to make sure that A, everybody's being honest and kosher, but more importantly, that you're maximizing the most you can out of every trade because that's really the devil's in the details and yeah. you got to fight for that extra inch. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Coach Tony D'Amato for that one. <laughs> so um, now it's interesting when you, you're bringing the point of view of how the brokers view their clients, how the brokers view the traders. And I think we've edged up to it, but I think we should definitely talk for a moment about payment for order flow, because sure. I know you guys have a, sort of a unique philosophy about that. Can you talk us through that? Yeah, bit? I mean, remember, in, in, in my dealing with active traders forever, the second that, that the topic of payment for order flow or selling your order flow to market makers came up, you have the, all these conspiracy theories where the traders will say, well, they must be selling my order flow and what are the brokers doing and the market makers and whatnot. I can't speak intelligently about what goes on at Citadel or Virtu or Susquehanna or any of these big um, firms that are out there that are being market makers. What I can tell you is, is that a lot of the zero commission brokers that are out there, that's how they're making their money. They're, they're not charging you a commission. They're 
um, routing your orders to market makers and they're collecting a payment for order flow within that. So um, one of the things that we wanted to do was sort of, and I, I use the word transparency a lot, is sort of be transparent with the traders about, hey, how are we making money? We charge commission to our traders. Again, it's a five mil charge. It's not, it's significantly less than some of our competitors. Five mils is 50 cents per thousand on commission. But um, just being transparent with the traders in terms of how we're making money, where we're making money, and um, again, in terms of payment for order flow, um, your zero commission brokers are selling your order flow to the marketplace. They're selling it to the market makers, whether you like it or not. That's why they're zero commission. Is that good? Is it bad? Well, it depends on how you look at it. If you want that to happen, wonderful. We want it to be in a situation where we gave our traders the ability to, if they want to route their orders to mm -hmm. lit exchanges, ARCA, NASDAQ, BATS, EDGE, EDGEX, we have routes for that. Uh, if you want to use smart order routers, which we prefer, where it will search for liquidity in various venues, you can do that as well. Or if you use our, it's called our MNDC, which is our market participant identifier, MPID, um, MNDC PFOF route, then you can actually sell your order flow to the market and we are going to give you and pay you a percentage of the rebate that we're receiving. Um, again, every trader, every strategy has different needs. Mm -hmm. um, the more liquid the names you're in, the more beneficial that might be for you. But again, I'll let the traders make that decision themselves. Um, again, the less liquid, the more likely you'd rather go towards ARC or NASDAQ because the fills are faster, the liquidity is better and whatnot, but you're mm -hmm. paying for that. So it's a seesaw between what you're paying for your executions or getting paid for your executions. We don't want to make that decision for the right. trader. We wanted to kind of democratize that, let the traders make that decision for themselves. But by giving them the ability to Trade lits, darks, smart order routers, and most importantly, sell your order flow to the marketplace. Let the traders decide that for themselves, and yeah. they can they can do it for themselves. And I, and I suppose with an experienced, active trader community like you have, nobody's going to know better than the trader, him or herself, uh, about what they want to do and what makes the most sense. But they, you guys they ask questions, right? They will come to us and ask questions about different things. Again, I, I can't tell you what to trade and where to trade it. But they, our, our trading community tends to be a lot more sophisticated in terms of market structure than I think, um, mm -hmm. you know, again, a, a neophyte sort of community would be. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, they appreciate the fact that they have options and that's all we wanted to provide for them. Right. So look, it's early days from Ondium. You guys started in 2020. So to wrap up, I want to hear a little bit from you about what the roadmap is, what the plans are, uh, where you guys go from here. Sure. Uh, again, we're planning on having options by the end of the year. Um, we are listening heavily towards our community uh, in terms of what they want to hear from us, whether it's futures, whether it's crypto, whether it's uh, additional platforms that are out there, um, whether it's bulletin boards or pink sheets. Probably not going to do some of that stuff because you've you've met Preston. Um, but <laughs> um, but 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 the bottom line is again, we are all about listening to our traders, listening to our community, hearing what they want from us. Again, options are definitely um, our, our next thing to tackle. Uh, additional platforms that are out there are something that we're looking at as well, in addition to DOS and Sterling, which are fantastic. Uh, but again, uh, it's really all about the traders telling us what they want and us making adjustments to that based on what their needs and what they, they want us to do. That's great. And I think that's a great place to leave it. Now, a lot of our uh, listeners and viewers are you know, generally interested in market structure and the industry and so on. But I think you're going to have people watching and listening to this who want to trade with you. Uh, how, how do they find out more about Mondium and how do they get set up as a trader with you? 
Sure. Uh, www.mondiumcapital.com. You can Google us. I'm sure there'll be a link somewhere in uh, on, on, on the uh, podcast that we're doing now. So click on the link, um, open up an account. And like I said, if, if you have questions for us, info at Mondium Capital. I answer a lot of these myself at this point. Again, I joke that I love to get to the point where I am so busy and so important where I can't do those things. Lucky for all of us, I am not so much as of right now. Um, but yeah, so we, we are very attentive to our emails and, and our, our phone and making sure that we're communicating with our customers or potential customers. Mondiumcapital.com, reach out to us, uh, find out more about us, ask the right questions, and uh, we're, we're here for you. That's great. Michael, thank you so much for the time today. Uh, for everybody who's listening, if you'd like to learn more about Mondium Capital, as you just heard from Michael, it's mondiumcapital.com. If you'd like to learn more about Forefront, we're at forefrontcoms, that's C-O-M-M-S dot com. Uh, thanks again, Michael, and thanks to all of you for watching and listening. Thanks, guys.